2: All right, everybody, welcome once again to the Texas Rangers baseball podcast. This is episode 11, and once again, you pulled it off, man. We're going to have Texas Rangers general manager, Chris Young, who's going to join us here in a little bit. Um, So season's over.
1: It is. It is. It it, it ended the right way, I guess, if you're a Rangers fan, because (laughs) Ron Ron Washington got a World Series ring, and he did it against the Astros. So, um, you know, I... I, uh, Gonna pat myself on the back here. I predicted the Braves in six. Uh, I just thought they were the hot team, and you know they after the trade deadline they were the best team in baseball. And and yeah, they had to come back from below 500, and and the, the, they didn't clinch the last week. Uh, but uh, that that division was sneaky good, and yeah. and so they they you know had had some tight games. Their metal was tested a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I, Astros. I I, I don't you know, just kind of looking at how the playoffs went. I thought maybe they used their bullpen too much and didn't use their starters enough. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, it caught up to them there, but, uh, glad for, glad for Ron Washington, not only Ron Washington, but Chris Martin, Jesse Chavez, uh, Luke Jackson, Luke Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Drew Smiley's on the team, but we, we didn't get to know Drew that well, but I know the other three, uh, much better. And so, uh, congratulations
2: to all of them. Yeah, and you know what? So I want to go over a few things before we get Chris on here, but let's do that after this. Let's go to our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Superior Sports Investments. Established in 1995, they carry one of the largest graded card inventories in the country with the widest variety of BGS and BCCG and PSA-graded sports cards. Unlike other online sellers or auction houses, they own their entire inventory. They don't take consignment, no auctions, so they take pride in every sale that they make. They make sure every card they sell is the highest quality item possible before it leaves their hands and packaged safely and securely. Visit their eBay or Amazon stores to see their entire inventories or browse superiorsportsinvestments.com. That's superiorsportsinvestments.com. And use the promo code THANKS5 for a discount. All right, so all right, so you know we talked about this last week. We went into the the whole deal with the the winter uh uh calendar and how this is gonna go. It's officially yeah. done now, so it didn't go to the fourth fourth is today that that this ended uh yesterday everyone's free agents um c b a that seems to be the talk of everybody if that gets done before, so when does that ex- exactly expire
1: it's uh it's at midnight um, going into. December 2nd. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a time doc um, expert. So I don't know if that's midnight on the first or if that's midnight on the second or what, but yeah. um, that's the deal. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I wrote this today and I've written it several times and it's been told to me several times that in, in baseball, whenever there's a deadline, trade deadline, non tender deadline, any kind of deadline.
2: I read this today
1: down to the very last minute. Always. It never fails, yeah. And uh, so I, I think that that enough traction can be made. I mean, even if there's not a deal, if there's headway toward a deal, and and it's going to get done in a matter of days, uh, and, you know, the, after the deadline passes, uh, they can avoid a lockout. I think that happened uh, uh, maybe two times ago. Um, but you know, the the reports are that they're far apart right now, but it's also the initial offer. So of course they're going to be far, far apart. Yeah. And I think that as, as we get closer and closer and they realize, um, that, that a lockout or work stoppage isn't good for a sport. That's, that's seen as popularity wane. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, especially in the backdrop of an off season, we're going to be talking about, you know, maybe $300 million contracts going to some guys. Yeah. I just, I just think it's, it's an eyesore and they had enough of that during the COVID squabble, you know, when to start the season and when not to. So hopefully uh, that'll get done.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they will work it out. And as somebody that that deals in my day job that works with contracts and everything else, when you're not bidding against anybody else, it's just two parties that are bidding. Why not kick the tires and see where it's at? So the offers aren't going to be far apart right now. You just want to see what the response is. Nothing else. You still got a lot of time to negotiate here. So that's why. Okay. Now, listen. That's why I think they're far apart. But yeah, I keep hearing uh, there seems to be some talk. You see, or hear some saying that possibly there's going to be a lockout. Then some you you seem to be a little more on the optimistic side that you think they'll get closer together when we get there. Um, I in in the best interest of baseball, I sure hope they don't have a work stoppage. I think that would look bad right now.
1: Yeah, and and, and the whole you know it was great that they came back last year and, and played a, a truncated season, but uh, if they had been uh a little more cooperative uh with each other then this thing would have gotten done and they, they could they would have played more than 60 games and and you know there's the the squabble over you know yeah the, the union file the grievance and all that stuff and uh so th- there was definitely some bad blood on on both sides but ultimately they did they did play and that was what was best for the game and you know a work stoppage i know there aren't games going on right now but I tell you what, people f- follow the heck out of this offseason. season, and um, that yeah. it's a big time for baseball. and And so, I I just think that that stopping a work stop is just is it's just not a. I don't think it's ever in any in any sport in any sense a good thing.
2: Right. Okay, I got a question about this because we had talked about this last time, and I didn't didn't even think because this could possibly be the Rangers. So when a team makes a qualifying offer to someone, um, the the player declines the qualifying offer, which means there is a draft pick attached to him if he signs with another team. It's not the first pick. It's always your second pick, right, the the second pick that goes?
1: Uh, That's right. Um, And uh, there might be some uh, flexibility depending on the size of the contract. But, um, yeah, you don't lose – first round picks are protected or the, your first first round pick like if you're a right, team right. That has multiple picks um then then it's it's uh the it would be the second the second first round pick would be your highest second your second highest pick and that's the one that would go but um yeah that's it and and for qualifying offers um players who were traded uh who are going to be free agents like Chris the Bryant
2: ball. who there's no qualifying after yeah.
1: And and then guys who have received a qualifying offer previously, like Marcus Stroman, right. they're not allowed to receive another qualifying offer. Okay. So there are some guys out there who, who teams can sign without having to forfeit a pick.
2: Okay, so here's my question: So we there's a lot of guys that are going to get qualifying offers. A lot of the guys that the Rangers are targeting. If the Rangers sign two guys that get qualifying offers, how does who gets what? Is it second and third round? How does that go? I mean, yeah, I don't know. It
1: is. It is. It's, it's the third highest pick, and so forth, and so on. Um, that, that's why you know it, it kind of makes sense for them to sign a guy like Brian, um, right? Javier Baez, uh, another guy who who wouldn't wouldn't cost the Rangers a draft pick. You know, they are they are still. Uh, Re, they're not they're they're retooling i guess they're not rebuilding anymore they think they're on their way up but right they have the, they have the number three overall pick in every round so those are those are big picks you can you can get really really good players at those spots so they don't want to they don't want to sacrifice that too many of those right uh, so i i you know i think one they'd be willing to part with but uh you don't think a honest. second one's coming okay yeah yeah it seems seems kind of hard to stomach and and just just knowing the way the game is trended, teams have not wanted to surrender these draft picks.
2: Well, i tell you what, there were three names that came out today that are now free agents. One of them is Castellanos Kikuchi uh, from Seattle, who declined that option. I, I That floored me. He didn't have the greatest second half of the year, but um, and Alvacel Garcia from the Brewers. Uh, yeah. I think he had an option too, right? And he, he declined it. He did, yes. Yeah. So... Those are names. I know Castellanos is a name for sure. That, uh, that, that, uh, there was some, uh, you said the Rangers had interest in him before.
1: Yeah. Back, back in 2019. Um, he, he and Chris Woodward seemed to really hit it off and, uh, it, it it was, it came down to money of course. And, um, the, the reds offered more than, than the Rangers did. And, and I'm not sure it was, it was ever that close, but, uh, there's a history there and, and, Apparently they, he and Woodward hit it off and he wanted to come. Uh, it just didn't work out. Now he's going to, he's declined his or He's opted out making him a free agent, but he's going to get a qualifying offer. Um, but yeah. that's a, that's a guy to, that's a guy to look for. Now, you know, you look at, you look at a season, it was great um, hitters ballpark. Uh, he would be coming to a, a, a new league. And, uh, I, I, which he's played in before, but still, uh, I, I don't know, you know, if, if you're going to surrender a pick for somebody, I think you can surrender it on somebody a little bit better than, well, than no. um, uh, but we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out.
2: I didn't realize that. I, okay. because he, I, he opted out cause he had two years remaining at what? 34 million. And he opted. Right. I didn't realize they could put a qualifying offer out. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's less likely then, because it seems like if you're going to give a draft pick, it's going to be for one of those shortstops.
1: I would think so, you know, and uh, again, uh, Baez of the five is the one who, who was traded during the season. Um, you know, and the, the way it's been explained to me uh, by a Rangers official is you're whoever, you know, a team isn't going to be disappointed to get one of the five shortstops. You know, they're right. all very good players who are gonna sure. make a difference. And, you know, if, if let's say the Rangers are targeting Corey Seager and they end up with uh, Trevor's story, there's not that big a difference and they're not going to be, they're not going to be like oh, our off ruined. They're going to, they're definitely going to be a better team right. with any of those five
2: guys. Sure. Yeah. I, I agree. What about Avisal Garcia? You have any interest in him? You know, I, he, he's, he's,
1: I don't have interest in him. This is like um, his best
2: year, right? I mean, he's, he's been okay, but this a, was, was his year, year
1: in a long time. Yeah. He's, he's kind of been, a, you know, up and down and then, from team to team, he I, I came up with the White Sox, I think, or maybe it was the Tigers, and he got traded to the White Sox. I don't, I don't recall uh, right off the top of my head. But you know, he's—I think he's 33. He's a little bit older. I think um, he's 30. I, I don't, whatever. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's the guy. Uh, I, I think the Rangers can do better than that.
2: Chris Bryant, right? That's the that's the best. Yeah, I mean, if, if Chris Bryant comes here, I, I think Chris like, Bryant's either a first baseman or a left fielder.
1: It it makes a lot of sense. He he can play all over. He won't cost you a draft pick. Uh he's still pretty young considering how long he's been around. Yeah. Uh I, I just think that um, you know, his, his agent is is Scott Boris, uh, which you know the Rangers have dealt with Boris plenty. Yeah. Um, uh, I I think that that that's not uh, a a terrible way to go. I really, I really
2: well, your story kind of alluded really to your prediction story. And I'm not going to say who your prediction story was. Uh, you, you had two good names on there that we've talked about a lot because you need to go buy it and, and, and read it. Uh, but, okay, I wanted to go in. You and I were there last Friday night. That was kind of the big of the four uh, little games that the that the uh, fall instructs teams. TCU was the one where the two big-name pitchers went. And we, we saw uh, – who we've had on here ricky Venasco. we also saw tk roby what did you think i mean of course that first inning was horrible for uh for ricky but hey nobody got a hit off of him he just couldn't get any control
1: right uh, you know you you uh he he had wanted to see how he would respond to pitching in front of fans and pitching at night under the lights actually having some uh adrenaline and having to deal with it and uh you know the first inning he was too fired up he even he even said it and um he couldn't get a rhythm he was fine in the bullpen but then you know you hit the mound and it's different because there's people there and batters yeah. in the box and you know it, it 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 wasn't good he you know the the inning uh they didn't complete the inning you know the rangers rolled the inning right um, you know he he committed an error uh, you know he should have should have gotten an out but um the second inning came back and just dominated it's yeah what it's what
2: what we hear want, about him yeah
1: want to see and what you hear about exactly and uh so so i think he heads into the offseason on a good note. And then, uh, Roby was fantastic. Yeah. You know, he, he, well, I don't even think he threw 25 pitches over two innings and, no. um, you know, throws strikes. Uh, he, he, uh, he also was, was as advertised, you know, the concern with him is, is the elbow, which did not require surgery going to hold together. And, um, there, there's always a risk there. You always are always concerned, but, uh, you know, he went through a, a very deliberate rehab process he saw multiple doctors they both came to the same conclusion that he didn't need surgery so the hope is that uh you know he's he's got young ligaments and they heal fast and and yeah they did hopefully they they stay that way because he he's a guy that that could uh um maybe not move quickly but he's only 19 and um you know the Rangers might be able to step on the gas with them a little bit next
2: year. Uh, just another arm just down there. And let's let's explain for a roll, if you don't know what they did when they say roll in uh-huh. the inning, um, it, it's very simple when they're doing these exhibition games. They have pitchers lined up to pitch two innings. I mean, it's very regimented what they want to do. If a pitcher gets in trouble, either team has the right to just stop the inning. If there's so many pitches and they know they want to give them one more inning, they can just say, hey, we're rolling it. They're going to stop everything. Everyone's going to clear the field other team will come out so that's why no matter what those scores are you, you got to ignore it because they rolled the yeah. inning. so that that's what that's about
1: sure yeah i mean TCU probably would have scored more than one and had uh had the inning continued but, sure um yeah again you know we've talked about it probably each of the last few episodes the, the rangers have pitching in the minor leagues and then and <laughs> so it's so strange it's been a long time maybe maybe this is a uh, unprecedented level of, of pitching depth that they have. Um, something they can we can run across past Chris Young, but um, yeah. it's it's uh, it is unusual and uh, it's some it's something to talk about just because it just hasn't happened.
2: I, I know it, and and you know it by covering them since 2008. I've been a fan since '74. I just you just never hear about this much pitching in the minor league system, they've never been this deep all the way down. I mean, it just it's great. Okay, Melvin. This surprised me. Uh, Melvin goes and signs with the Padres, the new manager of the Padres, kind of hinting to the fact that maybe Oakland's going to start a teardown. That's going to put Chapman and Olsen. They might be people that could be traded for. I don't think Chapman would be anything the Rangers would be interested in, especially with Josh Young coming up. Does Olsen interest you?
1: I, I, he, he should. He should interest <laughs> every, every team. I mean, he's... He's uh, one of the best first basemen in baseball.
2: Only think, 30 years old. I think he's only 30 years he, old.
1: He's young. He he's still in arbitration. So I mean, he he tailed off. He's younger than 30. Um, but he he tailed off a little bit this year, but still had I think 39 home runs, you know. I mean, he's he is a a, a complete player and uh, you know, gold glove winner, gold glove yeah. finalist this year. So yeah, I mean it, it it would it would be a significant addition, but it would cost a significant amount of prospects. Um, so, uh, but I'm sure they can find a way to work through it. The A's farm system's horrendous. So uh, any any really a, a top, you know, let's say a, a prospect from 10 to 20 in the Rangers system wouldn't would probably be a top 10 prospect in the A system. So right. there are ways to perhaps uh, make a deal like that uh, w- without having to surrender, a, you know, a, a, a name, a guy that you, you would like to see in a ranger's uniform. Um, Down. but you know, the problem is there's going to be 29 teams. I probably want to, uh, take a shot for Greg Olson. Um, and yeah. you know, he, he's entering his, uh, second year of arbitration. Uh, it's going to be yeah, 10 or 11 million, not a, not a massive number. It'll get big next year. So I think if you acquire him, you absolutely immediately
2: start trying to extend push it. the
1: button on an extension yep. and, and try to get that done. Um, you know, the, it, it, it's pretty interesting that, you know, I, I, you're right letting Bob Melvin go uh, they must have said hey this is what you got to look forward to um, you know I, it creates an opening for Ron Washington honestly yeah uh, just with his ties to, to Oakland and uh, you know it'd be if they go and do this rebuild it would be a young team that that Wash could get the most out of and yeah. you know Wash is a great coach uh, so so there's a fit there but you know, it's uh, they, the, the A's have a lot of arbitration eligible players who are who are potentially going to be available, and uh, you know Sean Maney off, off the top of my head is one of them. Yeah. Uh, but they have a they have a couple starters, so um, we'll see what happens. But it's uh, it's something to keep an eye on for sure.
2: And Bean's done this so many times where he'll he'll just have those that year or two where they where they dip, and then all of a sudden they're right back in it. That. That small ball thing they play, or what do you call it, the
1: money, the, ball. money
2: ball? that they that that they play. Olson would answer me, and you would think going back, it would it would be obvious that Nate Lowe would probably start the deal going back because they would need a first baseman and a major league ready first baseman. But yeah, dipping into the prospects, the Rangers are deep. But yeah, I don't think you know. I don't think you're going to be talking guys uh, that we haven't heard of. Those are going to be somebody we know that we're right. uh, it, that's going right. to have to be in that deal. Billy Bean's not stupid.
1: Right, and you know they they've done a good. Oakland does a great job identifying players and and turning them into turning them into good major leaguers. They really do. And yeah. um, it's it's uh, I, I I don't know what it would take. You know, tra- trades trades have changed uh, in recent years. I mean, you look at uh, San Diego getting you Darvish, and I I don't even know if they got rid of a top ten prospect or maybe it was just one. Uh, that it's been yeah. kind of a quantity over quality thing. You know, and you look at what the Yankees did to get Joey Gallo, they traded four prospects, but uh, none of them were in the Yankees top 10, but two of them, Duran and Smith, became Rangers top 10 picks. So, right, there are, way, there are ways to do it. And, you know, you, you don't know what other teams like and, and how they evaluate players. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's putting the cart before the horse, but it is something that the Rangers should look at. If you yeah. have this money and want to get better, and Greg Olson's a Matt, Matt Olson's available. You go do it.
2: Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, that's all I had. Anything else you had before we get Chris on here?
1: Well, no. Uh, I, I am excited though. You know, we, we've gotten to through the World Series, and we've been talking about free agents so much and trades and all this stuff. Well, it's about to happen.
2: Now it's you here. Know? Yeah.
1: And, and the th- the thing is, you know, it's not going to go fast. It's it's not a it's not a fast process. No. You know it and and you know even if there's not a work stoppage it it takes a while you know you you want to see markets the players want to see markets develop um now if they if somebody just comes in and and hits them over the head with a suitcase full of cash they're going to sign but um yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty eager to see how it plays out for the rangers obviously uh because that's my day job but uh, (laughs) also just uh just to see who who goes where and, and what the teams who lose players look like you know What's Houston going to look like if, if they don't resign Correa? Uh, you yeah, know, I don't think they're going to. I think what Verlander, who didn't pitch from at all this year, I think he's a free agent too. So right. they're going to look different. Um, it, it's just every year once the dust settles, things things have been shaken up, and I think this year there's a chance it could be pretty significant in the in the AL West.
2: Absolutely. All right. Well, you know what? People want to listen to want to hear what Chris Young has to say. Uh, it this is great that he's coming on. This, so let's go to Chris Young right now. All right, and joining us now from out in his office at Globe Life Field is Texas Rangers General Manager Chris Young. Chris, thanks so much for stopping down and coming on with us today.
0: No, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy to be with you.
1: Yeah, I've been been uh, trying trying to trying to get you in. You're a busy man. I mean, we're, we're, this is a, it's got to be exciting. It's it's a good busy.
0: No, it is Jeff. It has been a good busy. It's been, um, you know, the first calendar year, uh, so much of it has been new to me. Um, that said, I think it's made the year go fast and, um, never quite knowing what to expect, uh, with every month, but nonetheless, um, here we are kind of 11 months in for me. And, uh, certainly have seen most aspects of the job at this point. And, um, it's been, it's been very, very exciting and enjoyable. And, um, you know, I've learned a ton.
1: Well, good. Um, I, I just said this uh, before you came on. Uh, I'm pretty excited. You know, the World Series is over. We're in that we're in that five day window, and then all hell's going to break loose potentially. And I know it goes slow, but still, you know, <laughs> you're you're gonna you're gonna get. This is going to be a busy off for the Rangers, and it's about to get going.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you know I'm excited for it as well. I think that we we have a lot to look forward to. I think that we've got um, some really um, creative opportunities here uh, to improve our club and uh, give our fans a reason to get excited. And certainly, we're looking forward to it. How that's going to play out, um, you know, is still to be determined. But yes, it's uh, you know we're close to the uh, starting um, point right now, and uh, and excited to get going here.
1: All right, so yeah, you started December fourth last year, I think. kind of weird because we're in the middle of COVID. It was before the before the vaccine, as before anybody knew what was going on. So uh, I don't wanna say you're a stranger, but I don't know that you've had a chance to maybe get out and, and be as visible as you'd wanna be. Um, how, how has that affected things, do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly has uh, impacted um, the ability, I, I think in certain ways, it's impacted the ability to be in person and, and establish personal connections and relationships. I think in other ways, it's, it's you know, connected us in different ways um, electronically, similar to what we're doing right now. So, uh, you know, I think Zoom is a tool um, that we probably haven't utilized uh, in the past to the extent that we can to keep each other connected. Um and I think it's something moving forward that we'll be able to uh, so. Um, but yes, you know, I love being out in the field. I love uh, being around and getting to know um, our personnel, our players, our staff. Um, and, uh, you know, I think as we return to sort of a more normal lifestyle, I'll be able to do more of that. And I, I enjoy it. I look forward to it.
1: So the the ledger will, will show forever that your first season was 102 losses. Uh, (laughs) congratulations. What, what what did you, but what are the positives that came out of the 2021 season?
0: Well, I I think that there were several, um, you know, first and foremost that it's behind us. I, I think it's, it's, you know, it was the roughest year we're going to have. I think it was, um, you know, expected to a degree. Um, and even though it was expected, it did not make it easy. It certainly was painful. Every single loss, um, as they piled up stretches where we lost, you know, 10, 12 games in a row. It was really, really tough. And, um, you know, knowing that that is hopefully behind us, that we have good uh, good times to look forward to, uh, that it's going to get better from here. That that first and foremost, I think, is um, something that uh, is a positive, that it's, you know, it's just the worst is over. Um, you know, I, I think we had two main goals going into the season. The first of which was to reestablish our culture, our identity, what we're about. I think that uh, Woody and our major league coaches did a great job of really um, committing to that and reestablishing that. I think that uh, our players were terrific. We lost 102 games, but our players did not quit. They did not give in. They fought, they played hard, they played the game the right way. Uh, We were just out talented to an extent. And um, certainly uh, as we expect to add more talent, um, we continue to play the game that way, play the game the right way, Um, the wins will will happen. And I'm very confident in that. Um, thirdly, I think that we found out about some of our our core players moving forward. We we kind of got a peek at some of the guys who are going to be part of uh, this years to come, and we're excited about the future there. And um, and you know, I think we've got a lot of work to do in adding to some of those players, but certainly we saw some positive things and good seasons from young players who got opportunities who may not otherwise um, would have had those opportunities without um, the commitment to this to this um, rebuild.
1: Yeah. The. The the culture thing and the, the playing hard, I mean, that's something you've harped on, um, and and John and I say it every every episode when we talk about minor leaguers about what just unbelievable like kids these are like they're mature yeah they 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 get they get it it just seems like you know I, I'm just overwhelmed by it. like the Jack Leiter press conference just knocked my doors off I I couldn't I yeah. couldn't I couldn't fathom. Being that composed at his age, um, so what what is it about the character that that you think is is so essential? Was, was there a, a team that you were on that you're like, this is what this is how baseball should be?
0: Yeah, Jeff. I mean, it's it's really not just even a professional team. It's kind of going back to you know all good teams that I've been part of, whether it was in high school, um, college, minor leagues, and then into the professional ranks there were certain similarities and traits that um those teams exhibited and that was you know really a respect for each other a respect for the game and um playing the game the right way and i am a firm believer in that and it's up to us to choose the right personnel who embody those uh those traits but also to create an environment and expectation to set really really high standards for for everybody that um Mediocrity is not is not acceptable. We are here to to really um, be part of something special, to build something special. And I, I really I understand it's hard for fans to understand that when we've lost 102 games, um, but nobody here was satisfied with the results, and uh, and our players weren't satisfied. So as we continue to foster that environment, I, I and I you know to the contrary, I've been on other teams, especially professionally, that were, you know that that, that were under 500 and there was a complacency. There was a, a satisf- There was a satisfaction with being, you know, just hey, it's okay. We're in the big leagues. It's all right. And um, that's that's the difference between good organizations and and ones that you know really can't climb out of these things. So, uh, setting those high standards and reestablishing who we are and what we're about and how we go about it. Um, I was very very pleased with our group despite the the losses.
1: Yeah, the, the, the one thing I think the analytics era has, has brought on is that, um, at least in my opinion, is that people think players are in a vacuum and that, that you can drop any player in any situation and that chemistry gets disregarded. And I just, I just, I, I, as a player, I, I'd assume that you can't, you can't uh, not have a good chemistry. It, it, the whole thing won't work. Uh, Jeff,
0: you're you're preaching to the choir. I mean, I I just especially in baseball, I, I have a theory that chemistry in baseball is maybe more important than chemistry in any other sport. And the reason is that our, our players spend so much time together. I mean, you you've seen the lifestyle, you understand that these guys show up at noon or one o'clock and they're here till after midnight and um, they're, in a, they're in and around each other for 12 hours a day. They're on the team plane. They see each other every day. Um, and if you don't have a group that really gets along, that cares for one another, um, if you have guys who really don't fit in or distractions, um, they take away from the environment, They, they the players instead start focusing on um, what those guys are doing instead of what they need to do to be prepared that night. But when you have a group that really understands what the expectation is, um, how to go about it on a daily basis, how to put the team first and create that culture uh, where it's about the team and it's not about the individual it goes a long way. And I think we saw that a little bit with Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta just won the World Series and you talk Mm -hmm. about, they just had some, you know, a a magical run that came together at the right time. And I I think it's a perfect example. I I felt that way in Kansas City in 2015 when we won the World Series. Um, We were not the most talented team, but we were the best team. We were the team that played the game the right way, that fought for one another, that were inspired on a daily basis by one another. And that's what we're trying to create. And you're right it that's really hard to quantify but it's also what makes it great and why i want us to create that type of environment with our group
1: yeah uh and and that's not just the players it's the coaches as well and you guys just uh made a pretty significant hire uh on on the uh the bench coach with donny eckert um i just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of how he fits into that but also what you know he he he's an offensive guy but he's also going to be Chris Woodward's right-hand man, and and they need to mesh. And I just wondered what what your thoughts are on how that's going to look.
0: You know, the bench coach, he, he's an extension of Chris Woodward in terms of um, establishing, setting high standards and expectations, holding people accountable, um, really being Woody's eyes and ears um, on a daily basis. And, and then on top of that, what he brings in terms of our offensive game planning and the, uh, the ability to impact the game and the preparation um, and, and prepare our players uh, to, to win on a nightly basis, how we're going to compete, how we're going to go out and offensively uh, attack the other team. So, um, you know, I think it's a, a, great, um, a great addition to our club. I think he matches all of our values and I'm really, really excited um, that he's now a part of our group. I think he's going to make each one of us better, myself included.
2: You, I wasn't there for the press conference when when uh, when Donnie came in. Uh, did was Chris a part of that? I'm assuming. Obviously, this is his bench coach. How much was he a part of that?
0: Oh yeah, Woody. Woody was. Uh, um, Woody was a part of the whole decision making process. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story about. Um, we were in our pro scout meetings a couple weeks ago in Arizona, and uh, we you know we meet all day long, and Woody was seated next to me. And for our afternoon session, Woody disappeared for about three hours. And, you know, Woody lives in Arizona, so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, where did Woody go? Did he go home? Where you know, How could he be gone this long? What's going on? Uh, we're having important discussions about our personnel decisions for next season. Um, we need our, our big league manager here. And finally, he comes back in and he whispers, I was on the phone with Donnie. And so Woody had spent three hours on a call with Donnie. It was not an interview at that point. It was simply uh, we had um, permission to speak with him and Woody was introducing himself. And they they spent three hours connecting. And I knew right then, like, that was a pretty good sign and uh, was really, really excited to debrief. I talked to Donnie later that night and we spent over an hour just doing the same thing. We didn't even talk baseball. We talked life. And it was um, such an instant connection. And I knew immediately he, he fit what we're trying to do here. And that's, uh, you know, that's part in part why we're really excited about him. Jeff.
1: I I'm back. I'm back. It's been a heck of a, it's been a heck of a technology day at the Wilson residence. We had a, we had a we two, hour it, power, two hours without power. And then, And then this. So um, I'm on my I'm on my phone, which kind of changes the angle and everything. But that's that's cool. Um,
0: We we can still see your master's flag in the background. Yeah, well,
1: that's that's what's most important. Me and Ben Hogan (laughs) back there. Uh, So what's what's the timeline on on the hitting coach and uh, the assistant hitting coach?
0: Yeah, um we're in the process right now. Uh we've interviewed several candidates. We're continuing to interview several more and um we're hoping that in the next, you know, really week to 10 days that we can have that wrapped up and have some clarity as to uh, our big league staff um for t- the 2022 season.
1: Are you are you are there internal candidates who are uh candidates?
0: Um We, we have talked to internal candidates, but at this point, we're focused on the external candidates. Uh, but, um, certainly we, we, um, yes, there have been.
1: Yeah. Well, I, 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 there there's, there is value in continuity and what, what Donnie's going to do as the offensive coordinator from what we're told is, is going to trickle down and, uh, you know, Cody Atkinson who uh, I know a lot of prospects are very high on, you know, if he's given the message, I think it I think it helps out uh, throughout the system. Um so I I, I can understand that, but uh it, it's it's important to have the same message filter throughout, is it not?
0: Yeah, Jeff, you're you're absolutely right. We we are very focused on that uh, element of continuity and creating uh, consistent messaging throughout our entire organization. I think that's something that we certainly want to improve, both on the offensive and defensive sides um, of having um, the same philosophies. I think we've done it a little bit better on the pitching side than the hitting, but I think this presents a great opportunity for us to uh, create even better continuity on the hitting side um, from the major leagues throughout our entire system.
1: Yeah, and, and the, it seems like the the way the message is delivered has changed. Maybe maybe coaches had the technology. Um,
2: Speaking of technology, it just seems
1: like there's an emphasis on maybe players weren't getting, maybe the players weren't getting the message.
2: Fuck. Hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> well,
0: we caught that one, Jeff. Yeah,
2: we. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We caught the f bomb. <laughs> so my editing skills
1: <laughs> leave it in
2: anyway what
1: i was saying is has the message has the it seems like there's a much more much more emphasis on getting the message to the players because the message has changed so much it just seems like that's maybe that was isn't happening and now it has to happen and that you have to have guys who understand the message to 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 give it to the players
0: yeah look i think there's a, a number of reasons for this i think that um you know, as you look at kind of our industry on the whole, uh, pitching is probably outpaced hitting in terms of the advancements, um, the improvements, uh, both technologically and and in terms of the performance. I mean, um, and so I think that creating that continuity and finding ways to uh, message different things, and then also it's there's a game planning element to it as well. So getting everybody on the same page, as as you know, both individually this is what you're trying to do and collectively this is what we are trying to do um, on a nightly basis to to um, win the game i think that's really really key i think that's one of the areas donnie really excelled and i'm looking forward to implementing um having him implement a lot of that here i think that's um you know you there's it's so important that you each player understands who they are and what their strengths are and what they have to do uh, when they step in the batter's box but likewise as an offense collectively, how we strategically are going to beat the opposing pitcher.
1: All right, I'm gonna get out of the way here. Uh, that's all the baseball I've got. I'm, stand, I'm standing by. All right. John's, John's gonna get us on the lighter side here. Yeah, yeah, all mine's
2: right. more fun. I like to talk more about you, Chris, and your career and everything. Uh-oh. Yeah, but you know, I gotta ask this because there's actually a, a, a something that you may remember this. You're not gonna remember me, but remember this. Um, first of all, Stafford and Kershaw, they're younger than you, right? Correct. How, were, were they in high school at all with you? Were you like a senior and they were in freshman or? No,
0: I was uh, eight years older. So I hate to say that um, <laughs> I was in high school and they were in elementary school. But uh, did you but know their families true, or anything? So.
2: Helen Park's a little titan.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm very close with Clayton. Uh, do not know uh, Stafford at all, but very, very close with Clayton. Know uh, He and his wife, Ellen, and their family. And um, they live not far from us and uh, see him frequently.
2: Okay. Well, uh, the reason I, I do remember one time when the, the the year Stafford took them to the state championship, um, I was I went out to watch Stafford play, uh, Stephenville in. Yeah. And you were there. Uh, yes. they, they were playing Stephenville up in Denton. Uh, right. You sat one row behind me. I'm short and fat. I hope I didn't get in your way. Um, and I <laughs> and you could see
0: over you, thank, uh, you. Were you
2: able to get over me? Okay, and see that. So now let me ask you this: you, you, basketball and baseball, you they. I read where you had some power and you DH'd. How many runs did you hit in high school?
0: <laughs> I think I only hit one. I was a, uh, I was a doubles hitter, John.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> of speed? You're just a speed. <laughs>
0: exactly, right, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, now, this was interesting to me. I know you, everybody knows you went to Princeton and you played basketball and baseball. You were the first freshman to win the Ivy League Rookie of the Year for two sports for both basketball and baseball. Was baseball your first love or was basketball?
0: Both. I, I always said, uh, I, I, you know, baseball sort of chose me. Um, I, I loved whichever season it was, whichever sport I was playing at the time was my favorite. And um, you know, and, and frankly, It was something I did my whole life. I grew up playing both sports, Um, similar to my kids right now. I knew nothing different. So the idea that you could only play one sport in college, the seasons overlapped a little bit, but really, why? I didn't, it just puzzled me as to why there were limitations there. So, um, you know, it was one of the main criteria is I came out of high school that I was only going to a school where I could play both sports. I (laughs) I was good enough to play both and uh, was not going to limit myself. And, um, and, you know, only when you get to sort of the professional level, the seasons overlap too much and the talent is so high that yeah uh i knew i'd have to make a choice well let me ask hey, you, chris go ahead go ahead uh jeff
1: did, did pete correll recruit you or was it bill Carmody?
0: it was bill carmody pete correll had uh retired um two years okay. before i got there it was bill carmody and jeff they were coming off a season in which they had gone I, I think uh 28 and one i think they had only lost one game the year before i got there they made it to, i think the sweet 16 or uh Anyway, they had a phenomenal year the year before I got there, and so um, certainly the basketball program was. Uh, there was great appeal to go there and and be part of a great special program and potentially you know play four years
1: in the NCAA tournament. Do you do you remember the Georgetown, Princeton one sixteen game? It was in the late eighties. Well, no, it was Iverson. So um, do you remember watching that?
0: No, it was. I don't think it was. It was morning, right? And it was eighty nine. Okay, yeah. It was 89, and morning had a block shot at the buzzer uh, to, to seal a Georgetown victory, but um, I, I did not remember that. I learned it through Princeton history, okay. uh, but we did play Georgetown my freshman year, and so I remember that Georgetown game, and um, we beat Georgetown, but nobody, nobody cares about that one because it was in the NIT tournament.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I remember I was in a, a little Italian restaurant in Denver watching it on a black-and-white TV. So I, oh, wow. I remember. Yeah. Anyway. That's,
0: that's cool. Yeah, that's that's a special part of Princeton history. And certainly they're they're um, you know, that game and the UCLA game when Princeton up right. UCLA uh are very, very uh memorable in in Princeton uh history.
1: I've got I've got a story for that one too. I was in Las Vegas and um uh, pe- everybody had the under uh because it was Princeton and uh Princeton. The game the game went to overtime and uh, it was going to be over, and everybody's going to lose their bets. And there's one guy, all the TVs, it was the leg game. So all the TVs were on the Princeton game. And there's a guy, every time they were shooting free throws, he was standing up and trying to distract them, even though they were on TV and thousands of miles away. But that's uh, those are our two Princeton stories.
0: That's a great memory. I, that's a, The fact that you can remember that game is uh, pretty impressive, Jeff, um, and that fan specifically.
1: Well, I probably had the under, too. but
2: uh. <laughs> yeah hey you know when you came out of college you were obviously a good athlete so you said that was the only school that offered you both said you could play both um no no,
0: that that was um that wasn't the only school but it was a criteria
2: for every school okay that what other schools recruited you did you have offers from any power five schools yeah
0: my my um top three choices were princeton vanderbilt and the university of texas and uh was going to play both sports at, at all three of those um you know texas and vanderbilt were scholarship schools so basketball would have supplied the scholarship i would have been a free player for the baseball program right uh, but ultimately decided princeton was the right fit for a number of reasons um you know the balance between both sports and the academics the seasons didn't overlap as much either up up north so the princeton baseball team started a little bit later i wouldn't miss as much of the baseball season and uh just felt like it was a, a good opportunity to go to an institution that um, probably would not have otherwise been able to get into if I didn't have um, basketball and baseball to, to help me.
2: You know, I read an interesting thing. So it, that you were drafted in the third round by the Pirates and you negotiated into your contract uh, before you signed that you were going to be able to finish your degree. Now, where did you do your own negotiation or did you have an agent at the time?
0: No, I, I had an agent, but that was also um, you know one of the strict criteria I had to sign uh, professionally is that I would play pro baseball in the summers, and then once the season was over, I'd go back to campus and continue my education to complete my degree. It was very very important to me that I got my degree, I was not walking away uh, from the two years I had put into uh, to Princeton academically, and frankly. Um, you know, my expectation when I signed was that I wanted to play professional baseball. until I was 40 years old. Um, right. You know, at that point, hopefully be uh, married with children. And um, I, I didn't envision taking them back to a college campus to finish my degree. So yeah, I uh, knew I needed to get it done while I was while I was playing. Well,
1: you did. So, that the Jack, is that the Jack Leiter plan?
0: It's very similar, Jeff. That was why um, as we negotiated with Jack, it was something that I you know, have lived and done. I knew it can be done. Um, frankly as we looked at jack's workload totals over the course of um, of this past spring and summer we knew we were going to shut him down he wasn't going to pitch um, so it made perfect sense to allow him to go back to campus and work towards his degree
2: so you played 13 years what was your plan if baseball or pro sports didn't work for you what what were you want what were you studying what were you going to do
0: Politics? No, oh, that's a great question. I never really had a fallback plan. I never knew uh, what I wanted to do. I, I, you know, I knew that I loved playing both sports. I wanted to be a professional athlete and it never really crossed my mind that it may not happen. So, um, I, you know, John, I was very, very fortunate that I've been able to live out my dream. Um, I was a politics major. And uh, that was by default more than interest. If I could do it over again, I would have done psychology. It's much more applicable to what I'm doing now. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, but I, in the end, um, I had to choose something. I, I quickly realized at Princeton my freshman year after my first econ exam, uh, that I was not going to be an economics major, that, that these, <laughs> these kids that were, um, you know, uh, preparing to go to Wall Street were much smarter than me, and uh, they didn't have to study as hard. And so I, I quickly switched majors, um, and it was between print, uh, politics and history, and uh, I chose politics. So, um, But psychology, if I could do it all over again, would have been my my major of choice.
2: Okay, so this is going to throw everybody for a loop, because it threw me for a loop. I met you first time you came down uh, and we, we were, we were given access to the field. Finally is me. Uh You came down one day and we talked to you and you were just such so nice, as nice as you were. And every time, every interaction, this interview now, uh, just what a great guy you are. Such a nice guy. Are you and Derek Lee cool now? Or, uh, I mean, are y'all friends now? I mean, uh, let's go back to June 16th, 2007. Uh, You guys had a brawl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's out of character.
0: John if you asked any of my teammates it was absolutely not out of character um they 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 said I took on a different personality between the lines and uh But, but I will tell you this to answer your question. Um, yes, Derek and I are on great terms. Um, he's someone I, I greatly respect. He had a tremendous career. He was a a tremendous person. Um, first and foremost, and, uh, but, but also a great baseball player. And, um, while we don't keep in touch, um, we did mend the fence, um, over what was, you know, a a big misunderstanding. And and frankly, it was the biggest regret of my, excuse me, of my career. Um, you look back on that now and think about I was a young player I was in an intimidating environment at Wrigley Field uh there was a misunderstanding over a hit by pitch um he certainly was upset um I, I felt like he didn't have you know he he was um I didn't understand why he was upset and I felt like I can't back down I'm sort of a uh you know <laughs> alpha male type mentality and competitive <laughs> environment and um you know, it led to, to a brawl. Fortunately, neither one of us landed punches. Um, he threw a great right that, that just missed me. And then I responded with one that just missed him. Fortunately, and we got separated. Uh, but truly, um, you know, he, he did actually something really, really touching um, the next year. Uh, it says, speaks a lot to his character. Um, I had gotten hit in the face with a line drive. Um, and uh, it was by uh, Albert Pujols in the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the next series, the Cubs came in town and um, he sought me out to check in, see how I was doing. It really was touching. It meant a lot. And I'll never forget it. It speaks to sort of his character and who he is. And, um, you know, ultimately these things happen in the heat of competition. Um, but I do regret it, especially now that my kids can Google it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I. I. Uh, I get often asked to sign the photo. I never signed it. Never once signed it because I didn't want to be um, disrespectful to Derek. Um, I just didn't. So I've never autographed that
2: picture. and never will. <laughs> well, that's oh. it. It's a great segue into your family that we're going to end it on. Um, first of all, you know what? Jeff and I, were, Jeff, you and I were pondering this. Uh, the night at DBU, your son was there
0: um, <laughs> Oh my goodness, yeah.
2: Yeah, playing with the, I, when I caught you there, when I was leaving, how old is he? He's nine years old. Yeah. He looks like he's <laughs> my- 13, but he's nine. Because <laughs> Henry's there, and he's what? what how old is Henry? Can't- nine.
1: Yeah, my son's there. <laughs> he's, he was nine.
2: You're, it, it, I don't know where your son gets his height from, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I was like, I was asking Jeff, I go, you think he's the same age as Henry? He goes, no, he's got to be 12 or 13. So grant that was Grant my youngest Grant is um he's my
0: little guy and he's got all of dad's worst qualities um which uh, may serve him well later in life but he is a challenge. He he you know I brought him to the game thinking we'd sit in the stands and watch the game and as soon as he saw the grassy area uh, down the, down to the right he um he immediately knew okay there's a spot for dad and i to play and yeah. um Uh-oh. actually the beauty it's the beauty of of what i do um uh, is that he doesn't view dad as a you know having a cool job because he's the general manager of the texas rangers dad is cool because we can go to fields and play together and that's what i love about yeah. it so um it makes it special but um you know it's also hard when uh when he's telling me what to do he's very passionate and he's telling me dad don't you know <laughs> don't even think about trading joey gallo so uh, he 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 loves these guys and he's as invested as anybody in this team but it's it's been a lot of fun for for me and my family i i think for my (laughs) wife um despite the despite the 102 losses
2: well and that that's what i wanted to end on was your wife um if am i hearing this right your wife's from a hockey family right is that that right
0: My wife comes from a hockey family. She's a long history of hockey tradition in her family. In fact, I think she has four family members in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So (laughs) uh, yeah, her maiden name is Patrick, um, as in the Patrick Division, um, formerly of the NHL, uh, Patrick Division. So um, she is uh, she she didn't know much about baseball when we first started dating, but now she's uh, she's more versed in baseball than she is hockey. That's good. So are you a big hockey fan
2: now? I mean, I'm uh, obviously, uh, you, that, is true. your father-in-law still involved?
0: My, my father-in-law is. My father-in-law is the president um, of the Washington Capitals, and he's been there since 1982. He may be, at this point, the longest-standing executive in, in sports, um, you know, on the hockey offside. It's pretty remarkable. He's had a tremendous uh, distinguished career, um, you know, uh, um, highlighted by winning the Stanley Cup in 2018. and um, Right it's really i'm very fortunate to have um, him as sort of a mentor to me uh in terms of the sports world and and uh giving me advice on you know all the ups and downs
1: so well, you got you got to lift the cup
0: i did i was very <laughs> conscientious um I, I didn't feel um like i had earned the right to to touch the stanley cup but um but certainly really really uh was special to see you know him and his life's work um getting that opportunity it was really neat and i That's i hope awesome. that you know i hope to have the same experience as a texas ranger and uh seeing our team and our fans um holding the world series trophy it's it's going to be very special when it happens
2: i agree it's going to happen yeah i think so this and they're on the right track for sure especially this the 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 minor league system right now is at the top of where it's been in a long long time and so um, i'm telling you the depth and pitching we talked about that jeff The good lord it's just crazy how good the pitching is well chris i think we have kept you long enough and you came on here and the hard-hitting questions about fighting and hockey <laughs> the hardest
0: hitting question was jeff when he brought up my my first year uh, record here i've got a lot of work hey. to get over 500 so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna remember that jeff I'm,
1: i hope you do <laughs>
2: well guys that's chris young the general manager of the texas rangers chris thanks so much for taking your time out of your day to do this and we will see you out at the yard there
0: guys thanks so much for having me i enjoyed it
2: all right
1: all right man appreciate you See
2: you soon. Awesome, thank you guys. See you. All right. All right. What? All right, guys. That was Chris uh, Jeff. Uh, fantastic. What a great time. I mean, yeah. he was engaging. I, I'm telling you, I can't even imagine it in my head that that guy got in a brawl with somebody. I mean, I get you know, you talk about competitive juices. You get on the field and the competitive juices come on and uh, and do that. I just you know, I but <laughs> I've talked to him a couple times. I couldn't imagine it.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh it it's I, I think there are a lot of parallels, it sounds like between him and Jack Leiter. Obviously, obviously not the height, uh, but um the yeah. intelligence factor and, and and you know it sounds like Jack Leiter when he is on the field is an amazing competitor. And um, uh, you know, yeah, there there are guys that that have that. And I think that's one of the things that stands out about Ricky Venasco and and pull win you know they're guys to get out there and are absolute bulldogs and and wanted to destroy the other hitter yeah and um you know it's it's an intense deal you know the pitcher the pitcher controls the game the pitcher the pitcher is the guy and they're not just throwing it up there they want to they want to win and uh, i think that's pretty cool and if you if you're going to be in the majors for 13 years you have to have that
2: yeah exactly cuz he wasn't one of the hardest throwers he threw in the the low to you know the low 90s uh just had Pure control on the field, and was a bulldog out there. And you look at his overall record; as good as ERAs in the threes. Um, this guy, yeah. thirteen years, a good player. Yeah, that's a good yeah. player. Well, no matter what you say. Well, Jeff, I think that's it. You're the technical difficulties. Uh, good lord. Yeah, I know, guys. We apologize for that. <laughs> uh, Jeff had a power outage at the house, uh, trying to get all lined up there, but it, it actually came across very well for what you were dealing with earlier. Before yeah, I'm look- we, came-
1: I'm looking forward to hearing his answer about Donnie Eckard. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I really am. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was good. So yeah, yeah, threw it to me. Well, that's it, guys. We want to thank Chris Young for joining us, Jeff. As again, once again, um, you've got to call someone right now because you've got something coming up uh, that, that's going to be pretty good. But uh, yeah. anything else? Yeah.
1: No, uh, just, you know, uh, jeffwilson.substack.com, $60 a year, five ninety nine a month. Yep. Uh, there will very soon, assuming I'm able to make this next connection, uh, a story uh I'm going to talk to Ron Washington and, yeah. uh, about the week he's had and the journey he's been on and what might be next. Yeah, so, so, so he did uh, something, look right? That, look for that in the, in the coming days. Um, but yeah, I got to call him right now, as a matter of fact. So
2: okay, we're out of here. We're out of here guys. And guys, uh, thanks to, thanks to Jeff. Uh, don't forget jeffwilson.substack.com. Besides that, we'll see you to the yarn.